Welcome to Unsolved Sal. I'm Maddie. I'm Michelle. How was your week? Uh, it was pretty good. Not as good as yours though, right? Yeah, sure. I went to the beach and I saw my bestie with her new baby. He is so precious. Congratulations to Randy and Ryan. Congratulations again. For their new blessing. We didn't congratulate them because we didn't. Oh, uh, yeah. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. We uh actually recorded this episode and something happened again. Something yeah. weird. There was like a little girl talking in the background. We talk about uh, my ghost a lot um, recently because on certain episodes for some reason the sound won't come out right we're halfway joking that it's the ghost but i do live in a super old house and we have seen some things and felt some things and heard some things so and uh somebody killed themselves in the house so. yeah and there was another accidental death in the yard that i found out about um oh yeah i remember it you told me that back, one so and like i said it's really old the what 83 year old woman that lives next door said that her father fell in love with this house when he was a kid if that tells you anything <laughs> so, um she believes the house is at least 140 years old but i don't know because we've had a hard time tracking it back yeah but anyway so there may be ghosts we halfway joke about it, but on certain episodes we've recorded, there have been issues with the sound, and it sounds like somebody is talking over us. Sounds fine at the time, but when you listen back, it's messed up. So, she was going to show me this one, but it won't play at all. Yeah, so the ghost doesn't want us to hear it. So, so that'll be fun. Yeah. But anyways, so we're back for the... A, a new episode, but one we've already recorded before, but new to you guys. Right. And, as a special surprise, I am actually going to tell the story today. Yay! Yes. I get a break. Yeah, you get a break. Um, okay, so this is the story of Charles and Catherine Romer. Charles Romer was a 78-year-old white male, 5'11", 205 pounds with thinning gray hair. Catherine's maiden name was Heller. She was a 77-year-old white female, 5'5", 145 pounds, with blonde hair. She had her ears pierced and was known to wear a lot of jewelry, expensive jewelry. On April 6, 1980, Easter Sunday, Charles and Catherine called Charles's son to let him know their travel plans. And then they sat out in their 1979 Black Lincoln Continental with New York vanity plates, C-R-R-C-B-R. -R and I'm really ashamed to tell you how long it took me to figure out what these vanity plates meant. I mean, it took me days. Do you have a guess on what it was? Yeah, I realized what it was when I saw it written down. It was, uh, it jumped out pretty quickly to me. Yeah, so in, if you're in your car being like uh, C-R-R-C-B-R, -R -R, what the heck is that? It is actually their initials, 
Um, yeah, so it took me a while, so don't feel bad if it took you a while. I like vanity plates. Ever since I watched Jeepers Creepers, I've really been into vanity plates <laughs> trying to figure out what they meant, so yeah, that's probably why. Um, what year did this happen that they went missing? 1980. Okay, so their car was new. Brand new. Okay. Brand spanking new. This was a 1979. All right. All right. So they were headed back from their winter home in Miami, Florida, headed towards their summer home in Scarsdale, New York. If the summer home and winter home did not clue you in, let me tell you, the Romers were extremely wealthy. Charles had worked for many years as an executive for Sinclair Oil, but he was now retired, which afforded them time and the finances to take these extended vacations. Catherine was Charles's second wife. They had been happily married for five years now and had been making this trip their entire marriage. Charles had a very detailed plan of these trips. The 1,400-mile journey would be broken up into four days. Charles was described by the people who knew him as being, quote, very meticulous, and he would have never strayed from his plans, end quote. At the end of their second day on the road, they checked into the Holiday Inn off of I-94 in Brunswick, Georgia. They paid for one night and were given room 149. Now, when I first was doing the research, I thought, man, these folks are this wealthy. They got a brand new car. They got a summer home, a winter home, wear a lot of jewelry. But they're staying in the Holiday Inn. Really? Um, but in further research, uh, this could have been the best option in Brunswick at the time. I think back in the day, Holiday Inn was like a, a higher tier hotel too. I don't think it's like it is now. I mean, which everything is kind of low right now because oh, sure. COVID, but I think back then, mm -hmm. um, Holiday Inn was like a nicer hotel. So, huh, good to know. Okay, so they left their belongings in their room and went to go get something to eat. It was 3.51 p.m. Remember, they're old, so they left pretty early to go get dinner. So, still daylight. Still daylight. Plenty okay. of daylight left in the day. The weather was a nice 76 degrees, no rainfall in the area, but there had been a rare double funnel tornado in Chatham County. It's about an hour and a half away, but nothing that should have caused them any issues. That's pretty cool anyway. I know, right? Yeah. The Georgia State Patrol remembered seeing their car parked at a hub of restaurants just south of Brunswick around 5 p.m. Okay, so this is before they're missing or whatever, right? Right. So why was the State Patrol, why did they know? Well, remember, this is 1980 in rural Georgia. A fancy, expensive, custom-edition car like theirs would have stood out. Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. This car is worth fifty-five dollars to $60,000 in today's money. So, it's a pretty expensive car. Yeah. 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 Um, no one else would report seeing the Romers or their car ever again. Mm. Yeah. On April 11th, the manager of the Holiday Inn called the police to say the Romers still had not checked out of their room. I'm not really sure what took them so long to report this, but remember, the Romers only paid for one night in the hotel. Yeah. Glen County Police walked into an eerie scene. The room was pristine. Other than their belongings, you would have never known anyone had been inside the room. 
The belongings that they found consisted of their luggage, some potted plants Catherine was taking back to New York, some financial papers and income tax papers spread out next to their checkbook on the desk, a bottle of scotch, and some glasses. Sources were split on whether those were reading glasses or drinking glasses, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say both. Yeah, that makes sense. And remember, it was tax season, um, so that's why all of their financial papers would have been spread out on the desk. So, chances are they never slept in the room. They disappeared whenever they left to go for dinner or whatever. Correct. I believe so. One of the beds was turned down. And on the table next to the bed was a book and Charles's travel diary. And Charles's travel diary. I hate the word Charles's. Charles's. You can say the travel diary belonging to Charles. No, I'm not going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> okay. So next to the bed was a book and Charles's travel diary, which was extremely detailed, right down to what they ate. For every meal. How weird. Yeah, I know, right? I really looked in to see what they ate for their last meal and could not find it. Well, probably because I never made it back. Well, yeah, but like, okay, so the last entry in the diary was April 7th. The diary confirmed their plans that they were going to arrive in New York on April 10th. So, I mean, I want to know what they ate for dinner on April 7th. Well, um... Does that time frame make sense? Because this was, what, two days later that they were in Brunswick? Right. So, they left on April 6th, and the last entry was April 7th. This is April 8th. Okay. So, on April 8th, they're in Brunswick. So, basically, it took them like a day and a half or two days to get there, and they're supposed to be in New York by the 11th, 11th. The okay. 10th, sorry, the 10th. The 10th. So, if it took them two days to get to, like, I don't know how long that is. but it's about it can't eight be more hours, like, I think. Yeah, it can't be more than, like, 10 hours at the yeah. most, right? Yeah. But then they have 14 more hours to go. I mean, they could be, like, stopping somewhere fun on the way. Maybe they like to stop at friends' houses on the way or, you know, yeah, go and they look won't, at something. Once they leave Brunswick, they'll just have to drive... The highway all the way up. Yeah, okay. I guess it's possible. So, also in the room, there were a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry. Ooh. Yeah, I said that correctly, and yes, you heard me correctly. I said $100,000 worth of jewelry. Different articles say different amounts. One says she was wearing $150,000, and in the hotel they found $500,000. Good Lord. Yes. The family estimated she was probably wearing at least, at the very least, $80,000 worth of jewelry. Including her emerald cut diamond ring valued at 50 grand. Dang. Yeah. Like to see a picture of that ring. Uh, me too. A massive search was launched, including back roads, main roads, restaurants, service stations, all along the 120 miles of interstate between Florida and Savannah. 
They used helicopters to search the area. They searched swamps with divers. And despite their best efforts, the search turned up absolutely nothing. Oh, I'd hate to be the one that drew the short straw to have to dive in the swamps. Because <laughs> that does not sound like fun. Well, we'll hear a little later on who drew that short straw. But, uh, yeah. They did receive some tips, though. One hotel guest said that they had seen the roamers having a friendly chat with a young couple with a small dog. Good to know, but probably not connected. A few men fishing near Jekyll Island believed that they had seen the couple. Jekyll Island is about 30 miles away from Brunswick. Police believe that the timeline didn't work for it to have actually been Charles and Catherine. Now, this is where I have a problem because I've been to Brunswick. Um, I actually was there last week, and Jekyll Island is an easy drive. Very easy drive from Brunswick. So, I don't think it's that far-fetched. I'd like to see the timeline, how they think it doesn't match up. Or why, what they think doesn't yeah. match. Like, did the people not match their description? They said or, the timeline does not match oh, up. Oh, well, that doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious about that, too. Because I'd like to see what other things that they had. Because, you know, the last sighting was at 5 p.m. at the hub of restaurants. So, I don't know why that couldn't work out. They left at 3.50 p.m.? Yeah, something like that. So they could have gone quickly and then gone to eat, or they could have gone to Jekyll after they ate. Right. Or maybe they got to go food and went to the beach. That's, you know, some people yeah. do that. So I, that's where I have a problem. I I may have went towards Jekyll Island, in my opinion, but we'll get to my theories later. Charles's son made the trip to Georgia every year to make sure the case stayed active. When the case grew cold, he hired a private investigator, but with no luck. Every year, seven of their granddaughters come to Georgia to light a candle and say a prayer for their beloved grandparents. How much dedication. It really is dedicated. Dedicated grandkids. Yeah. Yeah, they loved their grandparents. Due to a New York law providing that a person who has been absent continuously for five years can be presumed dead... After a diligent search, the family was able to have the Romers declared legally deceased in 1985. They left behind an estate worth an estimated $1.2 million, including their New York condo, which had been owned by Catherine Romer. One of the divers on the case, George Baker, just couldn't let it go. He's the one that drew the short straw. Yep. But he was glad he drew the short straw. Baker believed foul play had taken place, saying, quote, We strongly suspect it was a crime. The Romers were obviously wealthy, obviously. Anyone could see the expensive car and the jewelry. He believed that they were probably robbed, murdered, and then disposed of with their car. The easiest place to dispose of a car in Brunswick, Georgia is in the water, and there is a lot of water in Brunswick, Georgia. He began running his own investigation and diving on his own time, and by 1998, he had made over 315 dives related to this case. That's a lot of dives. That is a lot of dives. I mean, I don't know what the average, um, like, dives over, like, people normally make, but that feels like a lot of dives. 
It feels Especially like... to not have found anything. Yeah. He hired a psychic and followed their directions for a while. Um, he also got other tips, which included a Lincoln seat somebody had found, but it was the wrong color. Wait, who's just out here losing Lincoln? <laughs> I don't know seats. why they lost their Lincoln seat. <laughs> like, you're just driving along, your seat blow out of your car. I mean, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they that's wrecked random. it, and then they salvaged the seat or something. And maybe that's we're gonna do random. something with it. Maybe I have no idea. At some point, a woman came forward to give him a pretty promising sounding lead. She said that her husband, who had now passed on, had been a delivery driver in 1980. He was working the night that the rumors went missing, and that night he was run off the road by a black Lincoln town car. She was able to provide paperwork showing the exact area the car was spotted in, but nothing came of that search, or any of the others for that matter. The woman said she did report this to the police, but, quote, assumed it got lost in the flood of leads. Hmm. And that is the last lead that they got on this case. So, theories. You got any? Um, there's a lot of water. I, I gotta be honest with you. Whenever somebody goes missing with their vehicle... My mind automatically goes to they either ran into a body of water or they, like if they're in the mountains, they ran off like a steep area and just, you know, the trees and bushes covered up the car and nobody noticed. Whenever somebody goes missing with a car, I automatically think it's an accident. Yeah. Versus something you know, nefarious, which I know it could be, but it's just not where my mind goes. And there's a lot of water in Brunswick, like you said, and I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's that far-fetched to think two older people driving around at night in a town that they're not that familiar with could have missed a curve or something and run off into a body of water. Not to mention there were glasses uh, found in the hotel. So maybe they forgot their glasses. Maybe. And that's probably why it took them so long at the restaurant. Because they didn't have their readers. And they couldn't see. And they didn't have cell phones back then to take a picture to blow it up with. <laughs> <laughs> so one of them had to read the menu to the other one. Like I always have to do Billy when he forgets his readers. Which he never has. <laughs> I also agree. I think that they are somewhere in the water, but I think they're closer to Jekyll. So, none of the jewelry ever showed up? Nope. None of the jewelry. None of the jewelry was ever pawned. So, nobody, like, showed up at the Piggly Wiggly rocking out on this jewelry? Right. So, nobody was wearing $80,000 of jewelry running around in a small town like Brunswick. Pimping at the Piggly Wiggly. Listen, what if it was somebody that was, like, super eccentric normally had got the jewelry somehow and they are wearing it running around the Piggly Wiggly and just nobody noticed because they're always so eccentric that they just discounted what they were doing? Maybe. That's a theory. I don't know. But it sounds like her emerald cut diamond ring was a pretty unique Big. piece. Yeah. So, I feel like if that would have come up. Yeah, that's probably true. 
Well, what are your other theories? Well, someone robbed and killed them. Did that person run across them on their route from Miami? Or did they see them in Brunswick and make a spare-of-the-moment plan? Uh, they could have resprayed the car and gotten rid of the license plate. That seems like a lot of work. It does, but that's a lot of jewelry. If that was the case, they probably wouldn't respray the car. They probably would have uh, just ditched the car in the water still. Even if they did get robbed, the car is probably still in the water somewhere. Well, what if they robbed them for the car? Because that's a nice car. It is a nice car, but, I mean, I don't know. I guess title laws might have been different back then. Somebody yeah. could be driving around on somebody else's car. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. Um, this is a theory from Reddit. Um, there was a lot of roads and causeways that could become completely submerged at high tide. A lot of people don't realize the tide affects the inland waters as well. So they could have attempted to drive through what they thought was a puddle, but was actually much deeper. And they were swept away, ultimately drowning. I mean, that's a theory, you know, um, we used to hang out at uh, Buford a lot in South Carolina, mm -hmm. and the the where the water would come in in the marsh, it would look bone dry, and then the tide would come in, and it would be up to the road. Mm -hmm. You know, there were several roads that a good rain would have covered the road, and you don't really, it doesn't take much water to move your car mm -mm, only a couple inches you know so i don't know i know when i was a kid we used to go visit my great grandmother every wednesday she cooked dinner we'd go visit her and she lived in uh grove town and we used to have to go down a dirt road and it was covered by a creek and you would have to drive through the creek and then you'd have to like if it rained really hard you'd have to find another way around mm -hmm. or i mean i guess just risk it for the biscuit i don't know <laughs> but uh one time when we were going to visit these kids um had they were like teenagers i was a kid they were like teenagers and they had uh i don't know if they lost control when they hit the water or what but anyway they had gotten the ditch and they were like um stuck and my father pulled over was like you know do you need help and they were like yeah we're stuck and he was like well we'll see if we can push you out and, uh, so we all got out of the car and we like, um, you know, rocked it and mm -hmm. got the car out of the ditch. And that boy turned around. He's like, dang, mister, you got a strong family. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes me laugh <laughs> to this day. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, God. It was so funny. <laughs> Next theory. <laughs> Was it them driving the car that ran the delivery driver off the road? It seems doubtful, but have you seen older folks driving? I mean, that yeah, that's possible. I mean, it's possible it could have been somebody else that was, like, fleeing. Mm-hmm. It could have been the person responsible for the disappearance. It could have been, but, I mean, you're right, because, uh, man, I've seen some old folks doing some stuff that you're like, 
We watched a neighbor of ours. We just happened to come up on. I got too many stories today. <laughs> okay, we need more time. <laughs> we just happened to be driving back one time and uh, just happened to get behind this car that looked vaguely familiar. And they were like all over the road. And there was like a road crew out and they like run off the side of the road. I'm like, oh my God, they almost run over that road crew. And uh, we went through this little small town. And, you know, when you get to a little town, the speed limit drops to, like, 25, 35 at the most. Yeah. But it's slow. Mm-hmm. This heifer did not slow down. <laughs> and there was this man in the crosswalk, and he was, like, bebopping across the street. <laughs> and I don't think she ever saw him. And uh, she ain't had her brakes until the last second. And that man, like... It's not funny, but it is funny. It's it's pretty funny. <laughs> it was like he put his hand on her hood and threw his legs out from in front of the car. <laughs> so he like launched himself out from in front of the car. And I was like, oh my God, she almost run over that man. And uh, he's like, hey, is that, I ain't going to name her name even though she's passed on. But uh, it was an old neighbor. And uh, he was like, isn't that her? And I was like oh my god i think it is and so we like hauled butt and got up behind her and like flashed the light she would not pull over we like got up beside her she was not looking <laughs> got in front of her and slowed down now mind you we're driving a burgundy burgundy suburban right mm -hmm. almost purple suburban we slowed down like way down in front of her we're risking our lives at this point because she is is she's Proven she ain't seeing nothing. Yeah. So she finally gets pulled over, and uh, Billy walks up to the car and he's like, "You know, are you okay?" Cause he thought she was having some kind of medical issue, and she's like, "Yeah, I thought you was the cops." And I'm like, "Number one, are you running from the cops? Cause we <laughs> literally had to get in front of you and slow way down to make you pull over." <laughs> Number two, what cop is driving a purple suburban? exactly anyway so uh she was like yeah i just um i don't feel myself or some mess like that so i drove her car home and he just picked me up at her house and took me on to my <laughs> house because i was like i cannot watch this anymore oh, i was a nervous no. wreck yeah so yeah some old folks is that guy jumping out of that way in that crosswalk, though, it's something I relive in my mind. I, I laugh every time I go through there because I think of how I, because he was just bebopping at first, but yeah. then it was like, she is not stopping. He started picking up his speed. He's like knees to chest, but he was not getting out of the road quick enough. Anyway, next. <laughs> well, that's the end. I, that's so, all our theories. Yep. Um, I think your thought about them going to Jekyll Island is a decent thought because they did leave kind of early, even if they were seen at five. That probably would have been towards the end of their meal, and it's not that far. It might have been nice to go walk on the beach if the weather was real right. nice. It wasn't hot or cold. Mm -mm. The weather was real nice, and Jekyll Island's real flat. Yeah. So it's good for older people to walk on because it's, it's kind of hard sand and it's pretty flat. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't think it's that out of the question that they would have gone there to just walk on the beach after they got done. Right. 
But that's all the information that the article said was the police discounted it as that didn't match the timeline. That's so weird. Yeah, but, I mean, well, let's think about it this way, too. What if that wasn't their car? Maybe it was somebody else that was stinking rich at the restaurants at five. With the same car. I mean, I guess it's possible, but I is mean, it a likely? Black, they saw a black Lincoln Town car. They didn't say what year. Yeah, but it was nice enough that, I mean, it was tricked down it enough that out, they yeah. were like, oh, look at that car. Maybe somebody else was on the way through, you know? I don't know. Maybe, but I don't think that's very likely. But uh, it reminded me of a story I heard with um, this guy. I think it was in Florida. And somebody was, like, cruising through, like, Google Earth or whatever. Yeah. And spotted, it was, a, like, a retention pond, and they spotted what they thought was a car. And so, they, like, are looking at it, and they're pretty convinced it's a car, so they called the police. And they're like, hey, I'm pretty sure there's a car in this retention pond. And to the police's credit, they checked it out, because I feel like a lot of police agencies would have been like, meh. Ain't got time for that. Right. But these went and checked it out and um, turned out it was a dude that had been missing for like 20 years or something. Oh, wow. And it was like like a football field length from somebody's house. Oh, my goodness. Like a neighborhood. Yeah. I'm like, and I don't think the houses could have been there when the car originally got there. Right. Because I just don't know how it got through. But uh, anyway, I, uh, I had posted that story on the facebook group when we had first recorded this yeah so everybody could go look because it's got a neat little picture of it and what looked like i mean how you could see the car and it did look just like a car so good for them for speaking up and good for the cops for checking it out and they got to close a cold case on it so um that's already linked anyway because this story had reminded me of that well if you are searching on google earth for funsies and you come across anything related to Catherine and charles you can contact the glenn county sheriff's department at 912-554-7800 my uh story next week has got something to do with vehicles well not my story but my story leading up to the story does Ooh, anyway, I'm excited to, to hear that. that. We're going to get to that. All right. Well, I hope y'all have a great weekend. We will see you back here next you week. Had a good, you did a good job. Yay. Thank you. I stumbled through a lot of it. This um, episode is going to take a ton of editing, but, you know. It's not that easy to tell the it's story. It's really not. And then you lose your place because uh, questions get asked and you look away and then you're like, oh, man, where was I at? Yup, and then you have to, like, edit some of, you know, what you've written because... Because it don't make sense when you look at it and read it out loud. It goes out of order, too, and you're just like, oh, okay. Oh, you stumble over it, and you're like, did I say that weird? And then you get to thinking through it, like, I did say that weird. But then you're moving on, but then you're like, did I say all of that weird? Because I still think about that first word. Yep. It's a whole thing. It's a thing. (laughs) It's a thing. So... We'll see y'all back here next week. Bye. Bye.
If you'd like to know more about the case we discussed or to see our sources, make sure you're following our Facebook page as we put all that information out there onto each one of our podcasts each week. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at unsolved underscore south and also join our Facebook discussion group where we invite you to share your thoughts, your theories, and ask questions. If you have any story suggestions that you'd like us to research and do a podcast about, please email us at unsolvedsouthpodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you back here next week for another episode.